Today's podcast is sponsored by Lara Bar, the original fruit and nut bar brand. Founder Lara American believes that a healthy mind and body begins from within. That's why she created a range of indulgent and delicious bars made from six real ingredients as close to their natural state as possible for more mindful snacking. Lara Bar gives you a tasty treat made of simple, minimally processed, vegan and gluten-free ingredients without added sugar and flavors. Simple, real, delicious. Head over to larabar.co.uk to see all the flavors on offer. Today I'm joined by Ben Bidwell. Ben is a mindset and purpose coach, writer and public speaker who inspires his audience to become their most authentic self and achieve their deepest potential. In July 2017, he launched his blog, The Naked Professor, where he beautifully articulates the importance of mental health and personal development by stripping away the masks of masculinity and encouraging men to open up and connect more with their emotions while still retaining their sense of masculinity. Thank you so much for joining me this morning via Zoom. This is becoming the norm, isn't it? This is becoming yeah, the norm. This, um, is, this is the norm now. And we have yeah. to find new ways to um, maintain our energy and our resilience. And most significantly, I think, our connectedness and our connection with people whilst we're being forced to, to keep our distance from everyone. Yes. I still think How have you been finding that? Can- uh, do you know, I, I found it a lot easier, I think, than, than most in that um, I'm, I'm used to working from home. It's like it hasn't been a significant <laughs> change for me. This is my this is my base anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So there hasn't been a huge shift in that. But um, obviously, you know, the connection dies and, and you know, you, you don't have that same sense of, well, same sense of connection. Um, mm. But I'm getting, it's coming, you know, I, I actually like lockdown now as it is. Um, from a really selfish perspective not from a business perspective but from a social perspective works for me and that you know I, I, I do I do value my time I do value my space um, and I'm still able to go and meet people at the moment but uh, there is an yeah. easy opportunity to say no to a lot of things that you know normally London has you charging around doing all sorts and I can't do that right oh now and gosh. I like that you're so right I've absolutely loved that because it's just London go 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 fill every waking moment you know, and it's been nice to just be like, no. Like, yeah. I think we, we do live in a world of, of valuing doing a lot. Yeah. And particularly in London, it's a doing yeah. space, right? Every, there's so much to do and, you know, constantly. Yeah. I think if you if someone says to you, what did you do last night? And you say, oh, not much. I just chilled on my own. They're like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> you're right. And, and yeah. I value that time. And I value that time much more oh, than oh, standing yeah. in a really busy pub and, um, you're not being able to have a proper conversation because it's loud. Yeah, that, that stuff doesn't do much for me anymore. So <laughs> I love, I value my time. I feel like it's aged us in a different way, but in a way that's actually really positive and really conducive to a balanced way of life. Society puts it down to like an age thing and we're getting, and, I, and I'm like, no, like I, I, for me, like values are shifting. I'm learning who I want to mm. be more. It's, and yeah, that of course does come with that. my age as well you know yeah. that that's it's yeah of course like your, your your values change as you get older I think but yeah. you know we have this perspective that it's cool to not to go to bed late and it's cool to do all this kind of stuff but there are so many people who are sick whose mental health is suffering and mm. for me I think society teaches us bad values for me yeah. it's it's a it's a good it's a great value to have to respect yourself to go mm. to bed early to have regular like habits that serve you that society would say you're mm. so boring you do so similar things but that like I, I don't buy into society's projections of these things I don't think society teaches us healthily 
No, exactly. And I love this actually, because this is this ties in really beautifully to when when this journey sort of really started cementing itself for you, from what I've read, is that you realize that the conventional definition of success was still leaving you empty inside. Um, but now, you know, the way you're saying that the world has changed is very much in line with with creating those changes in your life. So how would you define success now? What does a successful person look like to you now, which is different to how you may have perceived it before? Uh, I perceive it in two ways. First and foremost, it's inner peace, because I think that's the, that's the, the crux of it all. You know, without inner peace, how can we, how can we really say success? Um, and I think we, we've missed that in society because mm. we, can't, we can't judge each other on how we feel. We can't, it's not mm. visible. But what, so we go all in on what, what is visible, um, which is the, all the obsessions and the house and the job and the, you know, all the, the money we earn and all that, which is not visible. We'll go on that. But fundamentally, we're the ones who live with how we feel. So success is a personal thing. So success surely has to be fundamentally how we feel about our lives, truly. That's, that's mm. whatever that is for you individually. Um, mm. inner peace will look different or, or, or will need to be constructed differently for different people mm. um, you know I just said that I'm not that bothered about going to, to a pub and, and some people thrive off that environment and they love that and they love the bus and everyone's diff- different you know I'm an empath I have a different mm. energy to, to others so but you know if I'm an empath and I love that and I'm caught but going society says I should always be doing this and I do that then there isn't inner peace I'm not aligned with who I am and regardless mm. of what everyone else thinks, I live with how I feel about myself. So my life has very much been about going all in on, on, on what my values are, who I want to be. And if that isn't kind of society's perspective of success or isn't approved or applauded by other people, then that's fine because, you know, I've learned the relationship with myself is the most important one. So Beautiful. I guess coming to, to, to a conclusion of that question, you know, success <laughs> is having a good relationship with yourself. Mm. Like first and foremost, what your values are, living in line with them and knowing your values in the first place. No one, most people don't know their values. We're not taught how to find their values. <laughs> I fully agree. I actually think that that leads us into one of my favorite discussion points. You know, the, the definition of ego, our own ego, and then being able to live in balance with the ego. Because I think a lot of the things that you're saying about how we define what it is that is inner peace for us, how have you been able to work with your ego it's been a massive part of my journey i'd say it's at the core of what i've done is learn about my ego and understand it and with understanding be able to work with it you know rather than be dictated by it which i think unconscious for unconscious we haven't done um we haven't learned what's possible to learn and and i don't blame anyone by the way for that because we're not taught but if we Mm. don't know how our ego operates and why it operates like it does then it will drive our behavior and we will go after things that serve our ego not our whatever you want to call it that inner you know mm. intuition or heart or soul or whatever however you define it um and that's how i was i can say that very clearly because for 30 years i was ego driven without knowing it i thought my ego was me and i thought what my what the voice that i heard in my head which is my ego was me and i've since learned it's my ego and i've learned what my ego seeks and i've learned that what my ego seeks is not my values and i've had to adjust my behavior to to connect with what my real values are my deepest values which is like my heart's values so do you feel like your ego has served you negatively do you not feel like there is a side that is a value and and a positive side to the ego yeah absolutely but it's just way it's it takes way too much ownership over our lives 
You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's operating. This is a, a way outdated system, a system that, you know, I call it a computer, really, our ego. It's a computer that mm-hmm. is operating in, a, in an era that we no longer live in. And it's operating, it's constantly like looking for the, for the fears and the challenges that, that mm. exist. But our ego's fears are no longer applicable in today's world. You know, we're not under threat like we were in the prehistoric mm. times or the caveman era. Um, it's very different, but we're still operating with the same thoughts. So we're fearful, of, we're scared of things like rejection and embarrassment and failure. And we, and we try and avoid our ego. We'll try and avoid them at all costs. But the reality is, you know, if we, if we embarrass ourselves, like I always come out to dancing, you know, and my ego says, Ben, avoid dancing. You know, you're terrible at it. Everyone would judge you. Are you really, People will laugh at you. You're not a good you. dancer, Ben. Not a good dancer. <laughs> no. That is and, very allowed. Well, I've got no choice. That's, that's how it is at the moment. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, is a, a good dancer is a good dancer, the one who can really like do all the moves or is a good dancer someone who's just free and enjoys it? You know, and, and our ego will say, you've got to be really good at it. But our heart just wants to play. You know, our heart mm. just wants to express itself. So it's not really a true fear to, to tell me in my head, Ben, do not dance. Like people will laugh at you. That's not really something to be fearful of. No. It's just, uh, it's, so that's where the ego is way too um, aggressive in its chase for safety. Do you think that's because we, you know, in the process of that, we we jump into the future and how people are going to judge us? So, for example, if I dance badly and people will see me, then that will have knock-on effect on X, Y, and Z on what that potentially means of um, me as a man or uh, my sex appeal or whatever it might be. Do you think it's a matter of just being able to live in the moment and not let the ego jump us into the future, or what do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like what you just said, you know, there's fears, oh, is this going to kill my sex appeal or whatever it is? That's all just ego as well. And mm. again, it's all just, just, it's not true. You know, mm. you ask a, 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 you know, a man or a woman, do they rather see someone who's really great at dancing and amazing? Or do you rather see someone who's not great, but is just free and giving it their all and they're just loving it? You know, there isn't, yeah. people love all, both. It's, there's no yeah. better or worse. But yeah. what they don't like is someone who's there standing there scared, timid and, you know, and kind of won't express themselves and they're trying and they're forcing themselves to be something that they're not. You don't feel that. You don't yeah. feel their freedom. So... Like, I think we're learning in this world that we don't connect as much with, it's not the results that we connect with, it's the way that people show up. And if they show up with freedom and authenticity, and, yeah. then that's, that's what we see. It's not, wow, they did that, so therefore I'm attracted to them. Yeah. When you're really young, you're happy to dance just in any way that your body moves, regardless of how bonkers it might look. I, you know, yeah. I think of my niece and nephew and how they move and it's just like the pure expression of movement. They don't care what people think. Even if someone is laughing at one of them, they'll be like, whatever, I'm on my own thing and dancing and moving. And then we lose something along the way mm-hmm. until hopefully we're lucky enough, as you're saying now at this age, to be like, it doesn't matter. It's just about showing up authentically. What do you think happens in the middle there? Why do you think we lose it? Well, just simply because we develop an ego. And the ego starts right. talking to us and we start hearing that voice. Ego. So, yeah. yeah, at a young age, you know, we don't, their ego, we don't have that self-talk. We're just liberatingly free where we just do what feels right in that moment. And as we grow mm-hmm. and we learn from the, our experiences and the voice in our head becomes louder and starts to say, oh, when you do this, people do that in response. Or when you do that, your parents don't love you for, for how you behave. Mm-hmm. All these stories. And then you start going, okay, I mustn't do this. I mustn't do this. And then you start embodying that. And you become more and more trapped, according mm-hmm. to your voice. 
and less and less free like you were in the first two, three years where you didn't have that voice. You just did instinctively, intuitively what, what, what you felt. That's freedom. And, and mm. the more we go into it, the louder the voice gets and the more the quest to, to live securely comes alive, the, the, the less free we are. I mean, I say all this as if I've got total freedom on the dance floor, and I don't. You know, <laughs> I really don't. It's, just, it's hard. It's hard overpowering that voice. Yeah. But with awareness, you give yourself a chance. You know. Yeah. And that's that's the start, at least. You do, Ben. You do share really wonderful things on social media about you know about your sweet parents, about your family. How do you think your childhood affected the issues you then later worked to overcome? Because now it looks like you have a great relationship with them. But I know when people talk about this sort of stuff, they talk a lot about childhood and not being able to express and um, not necessarily you, but people in general. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. I'd love to. And, and um, the first thing I'd say on it, well, there's loads of things I want to say, but there's no blame. You know, it's yeah. not like I, I blame anyone because everyone's doing the best they could. And, you know, however my parents parented me, yeah. that, 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 that's how, what they learned from their parents. Yeah. So, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. And it goes all the way down. So there's no blame. Um, but I think everyone, everyone has challenges from their childhood. And I had a great one. I was really fortunate and I couldn't have asked for much more. But there were certain things in, in my childhood that did present challenges as I grew older. Um, first being the youngest. I'm the youngest of three children, um, three boys. So I had two older brothers, one who was six years older and one who was eight years older. And just naturally, like my overriding feeling as a, as a, as a young boy uh, growing up, just I'm sitting around the dinner table thinking, my voice isn't as important as, as everyone else's here. I'm not a value. Whatever I've done, my brothers have already done it. Um, and they're onto more interesting things and more impressive things. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was the story that was forming. That was what I was seeing and the story that was forming in my head. So mm-hmm. by the time I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten onwards, my story in my head was that I'm low value. You're not, you're not very important. Um, as I say, no one did anything wrong, but that was how it was. And my mom, I have an amazing relationship with my mom and, and I love her very much. I always have done. And she loves mm-hmm. me very much, but you know, her, her instinctive way of expressing love was that she didn't want me to fail. She didn't want me to. And, and her, her, her way of doing that was, or, or the relationship we built was that it's, it's better for me not to try, you know, don't, don't, like shoot low, shoot really low. Don't don't try and do things that might cause you pain. You know, and that comes from love. Mm-hmm. Really does, like deep love. My mum massively cared for her. You know, I was a little youngest boy, but it taught me. Very sweet. You know, yeah. yeah, totally. It's a beautiful thing, but it taught me growing up. You know, not to get out of my comfort zone. Stay safe. Don't don't challenge yourself. And so I didn't grow as much as I could have done. I stayed stayed where I was. I didn't put myself in 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 situations where I could develop because um it's easier not to so you know there's all sorts of things and I had no idea when I first started started working with a coach almost 10 years ago now I had no idea you know she said to me Ben tell me about your childhood and I was like my childhood is fine really honestly thank you like it was great I couldn't ask for more and, and that's true but I just none of us really understand the, the amount the impact that things have on us you know at a young age and how how much they shape us and yeah Trauma is way more than trauma sounds a very dramatic word, but we experience trauma from the slightest things that there's no blame on anyone else. I think that's the most significant part of it is that there's no, there's no blame. And a lot of the time when people um, retrospectively look at the experiences that have shaped them, um, a lot of the time I find is that it's about 
finding the cause of it and then sometimes the you know the person or a situation to blame but for me especially as a spiritual person it's absolutely not about finding blame it's just about identifying what was the situation in the scenario that left a groove that left an impression or to use your word that left a trauma in some way you know mm-hmm. like I love that my guru says that you should form impressions that are like drawing a line on water when you draw the line you can see it and it creates ripples of course but then afterwards the water itself is untouched you know so to allow mm-hmm. yourself to feel it and experience it and let it have that effect that it's meant to have everything you know has that cause and effect but ultimately come back to to your core and who you are like yes you can identify what it is that caused these things but then to look into how we can transcend them because it is very beautiful to see that you do have that relationship with your family and with your parents um even Mm. whilst acknowledging you know things that maybe would be detrimentally developmentally you know but but not because i mean anyone looking at you now would see that you're a great guy and thank you this patriarchal society that we've all been part of just since history has been recorded doesn't serve really any of us i think it served its purpose up to a point but i think of course 100 it didn't serve everyone certainly didn't serve women but i think we're getting to see now that it also really has not served them this acknowledgement that we all have in balance male and female energies inside of us that need to be expressed, need to be delved into, dived into, need to be explored. What's your take on all that? Mm. As you say it, I mean, what comes to me is, you know, I, I think we've lived in a world where men have looked perhaps like everything is serving them better, you know, in that it's perhaps, you know, the, the things that are visible again, you know, perhaps, you know, obviously men perhaps earn more money, you know, have the, the higher jobs and all these things that are visible that perhaps you go, oh, you know, that's, that, that's serving men well. And, it, you know, I can't deny it is in, in that respect. Mm. But again, going back to what I said before, we live in a world that sort of judges by what we, what's visible. Underneath it all, you know, men have gone all in on that and we've been taught along the way that emotions are, are, are not something, they're not their hindrance, they're not something to be embraced. Um, we've been taught that we've, we've, there is no feminine energy in us, that that's not something to be embraced. We've got all these stereotypical perceptions that um, we should be a certain way to, to serve us in that masculine energy. So doing, so that we're always doing and that we're visibly achieving. Mm. And underneath that, what we're left with is, you know, three in, three in every four suicides in this country are, are men. Mm. Um, and I just, that, you know, we, it was never really visible. And over the last few years, it's, these stats being shared, it's coming alive that actually this, is, this isn't really working out great for men, you know, despite yeah. the, the system in theory, you know, paving a, an easier path for men in so many ways. Underneath it all, how we're actually feeling mm. is, you know, I'm, really, I'm, so, I'm so passionate about this and I, I, I am... I come to this concept that society traditionally, and I'm not saying this is right, but society traditionally paints this picture that, you know, women are the crazy ones. You know, women are uh, kind of emotionally all over the place and one minute they're here and one minute they're there and men provide the stability and they're the sane ones, you know? They're the rocks in theory. And that's the, that's the picture that we kind of mm. commonly, commonly kind of see. As I say, I'm not saying, in fact, I'm saying what I'm saying is actually the opposite. You know, as human beings, we are emotional creatures. And yes, one minute we can feel this and the next minute we can feel the opposite because that's the, the, the waves of life. That's how it rolls. And yet we live in a society that says that's not right. Be very balanced, be very straight and controlled. 
as men have become through burying of their emotions. But mm. the most inhumane thing to do is to disconnect from your emotions. And yet women who are so connected, or traditionally the perception is that women are more connected to their feelings, that's perceived as, as you know, difficult to manage and um, challenging. And, you know, women are from Mars and, and all this stuff, whatever it is, well, is it? Women, if it women. Well, those are two things you said. I wanted to jump in and, be, and say that, you know, there's a perception that women are more connected to their emotions. But I'd also say, especially how you were saying earlier in the conversation about ego, there's an assumption that women are. But I think a lot of the time, even women haven't been served. There's just been an assumption that they know how to handle their emotions. But women are also you know, need to have that help in how to manage and handle their emotions too. Like everyone, this weird blanket terms that have been put on everybody, as we said, have not been serving everyone in society at all. <laughs> and we're real, realizing that more and more. Um, yes. The book that I think that you're referencing, um, but I like how you flipped it. <laughs> was it Men Are From Mars? Men Are From, Mars. Are from uh, Venus? And I realized I said that. Coming together and on Earth in between the two. Yes. Um, yeah, I realised I said that wrong. But I think there are a few women from Mars. <laughs> For sure. We're like, you know, but this is the thing. We're not all meant to be fully rational and, mm. you know, make, never make a mistake. And uh, all of these kind of perceptions that, that we've kind of been boxed into in this world of, of safety and security and money and, and rationality, but we're not. We're all, we've all got this intuitive, well, as human beings we have we are emotional things mm. and it's being stripped out of us and, and you're totally right you know i'm talking about men women are being asked to do the same thing too you know like traditionally mm. women are like emotions are difficult and you know no one wants to handle tears you know no one wants to handle these challenging emotions so let's just strip it all out away and let's all just achieve and you know get a good job and earn money and well done now you're doing well regardless of how you feel you know, and it, I guess, it, you know, going deeper, it fits this capitalist system, um, which, you know, is a whole nother thing. And I'm not saying that's wrong, by the way, because, um, that, you know, there's pros and cons to all of this stuff. And I'm certainly no expert, mm. but mm. It, it is what the capitalist system asks us to do, right? It's, it's um, you know, it's constant achieve, it's earn and be rewarded for more and doing and doing. And, mm. um, and the reward is there. But yeah, in all that, we're missing how we feel. And that connection to who we are as human beings and men and women. And um, it's sad, if you ask me. Yeah, I fully agree. I do think that um, women, as we've seen over the last few years, I mean, certainly within my whole lifetime that it's been happening, but more and more so when we talk about women's marches and the way things are really changing publicly for women, people are just having these conversations much more openly and I won't go into mentioning all of the different things which have brought women into the limelight in the last few years. But even though that's been with a focus on women, I actually think that that's been part and parcel of the change that we're seeing happen more um, for men now. Because the, when women stand up and acknowledge these things for themselves, it creates space for men to then be able to do the same. Because, you know, we are in a society with each other we are all surrounded by men and women you know so when the women around you start standing up and start expressing themselves in a different way that has been um perceived to be allowed in society then it also gives the space to men to do the same do you think that that's been part 
of the process? Do you think men need women to lead the way on that? Or do you think it would have happened anyway? I don't know, if I'm honest with you. I don't know. I mean, I, I do think with men, and I, and I can speak having gone through this as a man, that mm. when we are so attached or so stuck in our head or so attached to our ego or however you want to perceive it, you know, this, you know, even women stepping up and, 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 and embracing the beautiful feminine energy within them can trigger us because we don't know how to handle it and it's not mm. rational for us. And it's um, like, I think, you know, all the work has to come internally. No, no one can change unless they actually really uh, go within and do that themselves. So the, the onus for me is on every man recognizing I'm speaking purely as a man here about masculinity, but every man recognizing that there is the possibility of growth, but perhaps we are not all of who we can be. And are we allow, allowing ourselves to express all of who we are and to tap in all of who we are? Or are we boxing ourselves in and just being who society said that we should be and doing our best to stay in that and denying parts of ourselves? Mm. And if we're able to recognize that, then we can start to learn and, and, and you know, learn from everyone learn from male teachers, learn from the women in society who show us the beauty of the feminine energy um, mm. and the beauty and the power of, of course, of the masculine energy they have too. But mm. yeah, absolutely. men are missing that feminine. So um, I don't think this is as simple as just, you know, us all standing up and, and, and showing us um, ourselves. It, it, there is this element that men need to, there has to be a, an understanding an honesty a deep honesty within men that they can say hey do you really feel complete do you really feel as alive as you'd like to do you really feel like there's nothing missing in your life and if they're willing to answer those questions honestly and, and, and say actually yeah you're right it does feel like perhaps there is a bit more to me now okay well let's learn let's look look at what, what actually that is then in your experience of this work that you've done and and with men in particular when it comes to answering that question, what space is often missing in men that they feel that that means that they can't answer that question with a firm yes? Well, firstly, the, 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 the men don't want to express any form of weakness. So they don't want to answer, yes, there's something missing because that expressed that suggests weakness and, you know, potentially opens up a can of worms because now they have to delve into this pain that they don't mm -hmm. think anyone else is feeling. They think it's their own thing. Secondly, I think that, you know, this, the world teaches us to be ambitious. And we, I, I, speaking from experience, you know, I, I thought that my emptiness was a sign of health in that I was just like, hey, I'm ambitious and I'm not happy with what I've got because I'm healthily ambitious and I'm striving mm -hmm. for more and I'm going to achieve more. And that's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think the problems come, you know, if we look at suicide rates, you know, the, the, the highest in the, in, the, in the 40s, in the early 40s, comes when we've achieved so much and our, ambitions, our ambitious itch has been scratched so hard and we have got to where we really dreamed of being and yet we still feel empty. And it's like, God, oh, everything I've wanted and chased and thought would give me happiness is here, but yet I still feel like I do and I don't know where to go. And with that emptiness, I've done things that I now regret. And I don't really like the person that I've become and I never thought I would be this man. And now we've got a real problem and they're kind of stuck without self-love and doing things they don't feel proud of. A lot of lies within, a lot of secrets buried and 
not understanding that a lot of other people are feeling the same. And, you know, that's a cocktail for difficulty. So, I, you know, men fundamentally, we just don't want to acknowledge that there's any, there's a challenge. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's a deep fear that will be perceived as weak if we acknowledge anything. So let's just block it up, block it out, soldier on, and hope that our ambitious streak can take us to a place where we've got everything we wanted and then we'll feel great. Okay, so why are we so afraid? And I'm not saying you have the answer either. Why are we so afraid of being seen as weak? And what actually do we mean when we say weak? Weak in any in any perspective. So so judged as weak and um, weak means we've got flaws. You know, there's, there are imperfections. Um, and we hate weakness because it triggers shame in us. So, so Brené Brown, who, you know, the human researchers talks about how, you know, that, that is the number one shame trigger for men. And according to her research, the number one shame trigger for women is, is appearance. Um, and, you know, again, I, it's hard for me to comment other than from a man's perspective. And I know that as a man, you know, I did not want to be perceived as weak. You know, growing up, I had a very, very soft, kind heart. My mum's a nurse. She's very sensitive and loving. I did not want to show that as a boy. You know, I, it was cooler to be the bully than it was to be bullied. Um, and I went all in on doing, being the person I, I had to be that wouldn't look weak because I didn't want to feel shame of myself. Mm. Um, that was the number one thing, which is so fundamental, you know, that this is all behavior that's coming from fear, mm. um, which isn't a healthy place to live. But we don't, we don't, it's, it's, shame is a horrible thing. And society teaches us that if we are perceived as weak, then that's going to trigger shame. Mm. That's going to be that we're not the man that we should be. And the expression of emotion from men is often, even though I personally would describe it as healthy, I think traditionally in society it's been described as as weak, as, you know, being emotional. And again, you know, not that it's comparison, but even as women, like I know for me as as a woman that grew up in, quite a competitive environment of course a competitive school um emphasized more of those masculine traits because women are taught that if you want to succeed in this world you have to succeed playing a man's game in a masculine world so even for women I would always be careful that I wouldn't be perceived as emotional because overall even though that's been something that strength is attributed to men and emotions are attributed to women overall um the narrative has been that emotions equal weakness even though now as you know as a woman i i think it's so powerful and so strong to be able to express emotions express true authentic real processed emotion and then to move on from it do you think it's important i think it's important not to be fearful of it you know, I don't want to sit in a space and say to everyone, we should be crying all the time because everyone's different. You know, mm. um, But um, I reckon I went years and years and years through my 20s and I've never, I've not crying. In fact, I can um. remember, I think, I think there was twice in my 20s that I cried. Um, one breaking up with a girlfriend and the other, strangely, was I remember watching my brother play rugby and he had a really bad injury. Mm. And um, I remember being in the room and seeing the pain he was in and knowing how much it meant to him and everything with his career. And that, that 
caused, you know, um, a tear. But through, otherwise, through my 20s, it wasn't anything. But I had an experience recently um, where I sat at my desk and I was sending a client a song that actually I use to stir emotion. I use it in my talks and I might use it in, in the talk, actually, that, that, that we're going to do soon. Mm-hmm. And um, it really stirs emotion. And um, I send, and I was sending it to a client. So when I was sending it, I just put it on and I was listening to it. And it, it takes me back to when I do my talks. And it just, it does their emotion. And I, it was like a Tuesday morning or something, 10 o'clock or something like that. And I was sitting at my desk and, this, and, I, and I felt a tear. I was like, oh, wow, this song is just, whew, you know, and I felt a tear. And, and you know, in my, my, the voice comes in and says, Ben, what are you doing? What are you doing, you idiot? It's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. You're not, you're not I crying. I you know, it. that was my instinctive voice. And, and I was like, yeah, gosh, you know, pause on the song pull yourself together kind of sit up that's you know <laughs> and then I was, and I was like what am I doing what, am, what are you doing like and I and in that I almost felt incomplete in that moment from stopping yeah yourself. I stopped myself and that voice is 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 looking to stay, keep me safe and it by keeping me safe it doesn't want me to be embarrassed or um be seen and, and, and judged by society for not being a certain way and that mm. voice says Ben this is not manly what's wrong with you you're an emotional wreck it's Tuesday 10 o'clock this is not the man you're meant to be stop this and, but my body had different my body wanted it my body felt that emotion it mattered it was impacted it wanted to express it and my ego cut it out because it's not who I should be and I felt that lack of completion and and, and I recognized it and you know from this point onwards now I really try and if I feel something not to judge it for whether it's acceptable in this moment or unacceptable but just to feel it and to allow it and to not judge it and to express it so I don't think there is a right or wrong to 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 how to to how much you cry but I don't think you should stop it if you feel it Mm, mm. that makes sense yeah absolutely even if we're not so connected with our own purpose, sometimes we are purpose driven from a certain, you know, from a certain perspective. So the first step might be answering, that's all good and well, but why should I? <laughs> you know, I'll be like, that might be all right for you, mate. That might be fine for you, Ben, but yeah. I'm all right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, why is it important to acknowledge the side of ourselves for men? specifically without going to the extreme of what we were talking about earlier about suicide and stuff like that because that might also be an extreme that men can't necessarily relate to if they're not in that as extreme space of emotion either yeah totally yeah and I I love that question because that was what was going through my head for 15 years from 15 to 30 you know I was like I I am uh, why do I I don't want to it was a badge of honor when I got told I was dead inside you know that was that was great you know I was happy with that um what what am i what am i missing out on i don't want to cry who told you that um numerous people so so girls that i date um and then i did a personal (laughs) development course at the beginning of my journey and um okay and i was on stage and they they were really trying to elicit emotion from me and take me to to to, it was in front of 300 people to show Mm. kind of you know what this was about and I was just sort of deadpan the whole way just going yeah 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 no, you're right and he would say all these things and I'd go yeah and he, at the end of it he just got to the point where he just said Ben like you are dead inside what is going on with you like we well, have to wake you up and I was like yeah I know that's, <laughs> that's kind of why I'm here yeah <laughs> you know did you and, um, feel dead inside I didn't know what I didn't know any other way this is what, what yeah. I, where I was getting to you know you asked man mm-hmm. why and I, you know, I just believe that I wasn't an emotional person because I trained myself for so many years 
to disconnect and, and these things mm. are like muscles and if you stop using the muscle it, yeah. it wastes away and I had just disconnected with my feelings I no longer knew how to feel so I just you know people said how are you I'd just be like I honestly don't know any other way other than fine I'm not <laughs> I would say I'm really happy but I'm definitely not really sad I'm just just like yeah I'm cool whatever and because I just did not know how to feel anymore and so I thought I am not an emotional being and mm. that's fine because I didn't know the benefits of emotions I didn't know what what they gave me um I didn't know that if I blocked out pain that I'd block out joy um I didn't know that I'd never experienced mm. love and deep connection without emotions I didn't know any of this stuff and I'd never experienced deep love and connection so I, there wasn't anything for me to chase it's like, I'm mm. fine. Like, I don't need you that. You didn't know just, that it was missing. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's where I'm getting to with this is that, mm. you know, men say, why? What, what, go for it, mate. But it's not for me. It's because they don't know what, what's on the other side. And they're just living in this safe box that's keeping them safe and content, and, but not fulfilled ultimately. And that's always the question that I think, mm. you know, after a mentor asks themselves, are you deeply fulfilled? Do you feel alive? Are you proud of who you are? These kind of things. And because I was in my 20s, I was fine, but I wasn't proud of myself. Uh, I didn't feel alive. I felt like I was just going through the motions. It felt like something was missing. All these kind of things, because fundamentally, I just buried part of who I was, my emotions, and experiencing all of them and allowing myself to experience real love and joy and all the beautiful things that come with it. And to accept that with that, there'll be tough times too. That'd be you know hard emotions. I think that's incredibly beautiful. And a lot of the time people find or people might think or believe that they will experience that side of things by being in a relationship with someone who's equal and opposite to them, as opposed to um uncovering that inside of themselves first. Um, and then that's the whole slippery slope of getting into a relationship and then expecting someone to complete you. Mm. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. And that you can only truly be in a space of deep love if you're able to connect to the source of that deep love, which is at the core of your being. Otherwise, you're constantly mm. looking for that validation from someone outside of you. I mean, if we talk about validation, that's what you know all the apps are about. That's what <laughs> social media in general is about you know validation is necessary to a certain extent like we are we are creatures of community and togetherness and belongingness we're not meant to be isolated so there is something that comes from um from validation from those around us as a form of belongingness and love for want of a better word but how do you think we can bridge that gap between being able to have a need met by someone outside of us whether it's through social media or whether it's through sex or whether it's through an actual meaningful relationship and finding that connection to that space inside of ourselves. Mm, yeah, well, I, I think that the first thing is that there's there's nothing wrong, like you say, with validation or you know achieving those parts. But the, the problem only only comes when it's when you're all in on that, when that's that's all you've got. You know, if you mm. start from the place of self love and you love who you are, and then these things come on top, then I don't. Mm. There's no problem. It's it's the same with with you know instant gratification. You know. Or, um, you know, if, if, if we're reliant on alcohol to have a good time and, and we're empty without it, then, mm. you know, we're looking at addiction coming in, you know. We're, whereas if we love who we are, every now and then 
when it suits fits into our life and we enjoy it and we go and have a party in whatever capacity and we enjoy that thing and it's something that's just added on top of mm. the self-love we have already then that's okay that's healthy we're not returning to an empty space once it runs out and we need it again we're like oh mm. i feel good anyway good and i'll choose when i next engage with that so the key to all of this that everything starts for me is the relationship with yourself you know learning to love yourself first and foremost and when you're in that space then something coming in and adding on top of your own love is beautiful and healthy and and, and part of the joys of life but coming from an empty place and needing like you say that needing validation because you don't have it yourself which is very much my journey I had no self-love and reliant on on validation then you're just putting your life in everyone else's hands and it's okay it's manageable when everyone when you're on top and people are going well done you well done you but that only lasts for so long you know Mm. and the higher you get and the, the, the more people start to knock you and it's this constant you're never going to feel completely complete whereas you love yourself people say what they want about you and mm. you can return to to what, what's within you mm. and that's beautiful and that's safe and that's good um yeah it starts what, with you why do you think we've created a society where it's not been safe to love ourselves well I mean, the capitalist world thrives on consumption, right? It's if we all loved ourselves, you know, what, what the, the, the beauty industry is a multi-billion pound industry. And if we all woke up and, and looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, I love who I am and everything's great and I don't need anything else, then there's a lot of people who are going to lose a lot of money, you know? <laughs> um, we're relying on, the, the capitalist world relies on us consuming to feel good, to feel happy. Mm. And like I say, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I never be critical of anyone who buys a nice car or watch or, you know, makeup or whatever it is. But start with yourself and that, let that be an addition to what you feel within. Don't be, you need that. You've got to consume to feel anything within. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the world that we're showing, you know, the advertising throughout, you know, and it's very easy. We're programmed ultimately to, to, to you know, our ego needs us to, to yeah. constantly strive, always strive, never be content, always more. It's a safety play. I do, I do think the world is, you know, as we've been saying, it is definitely changing and people are waking up. And there is, if you think about, you know, um, the body positivity movement or body neutrality, you know, I know there are different schools of thought about the way out of the world that we're in now. But here's a cheeky one for you, Ben. Do you think that you would have seen the success that you did on social media and in general if you didn't look the way you look? Because let's face uh, it, you are, you know, for people that don't know what you look like and that are just listening to us, you are, you know, a beautiful, white, tall man. And technically, our society has been set up for people of that demographic to naturally succeed. Yeah, and I hear you. And um, and you're, you're right, you know, and it's, and I hate it. What is it that you uh, hate? I hate that, you know, there is this game and that, you know, I have to play this game and I hate that it doesn't serve everyone. And I hate that, you know, my fortune isn't necessarily accessible or to, to, to other people in that respect, yeah. you know, that there is that. Mm. Um, I hate that, that it's not an equal opportunity in that respect. And I hate that we are so drawn to the, 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 some, some, someone's appearance more than their heart, you know, all of it. It's horrible. And I, I hate the Instagram algorithm that, that 
<laughs> yeah, like just times do. it all by 10, <laughs> you yeah. know, because if the picture is engaged with, more people see it. And if it's not, which just means mm. that we all need to try and find a way to get the picture seen and light so that more people mm. see it. Yeah. You know, it all just, it's this cocktail of really unhealthy stuff. And um, you're right, you know, I, I you know, let, let's, let's, you know, be frank, like my, 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 my brand started with these sort of captivating images of, you know, me without clothes on that kind of stood <laughs> out and, you yeah. know, and that was a big part of me initially sort of getting my message seen. Was that and your idea or was that someone else's idea? Yeah, it's my, it was my idea. It was my idea. And look, mm. there was a story around it. You know, I was showing up emotionally and like open, vulnerable, yeah. no yeah, mess, yeah, yeah. No, no masks, and it told my story. But I also knew that it it would allow me to be seen, mm. um, and both in a good way and a bad way. I'm li- I want myself to be seen fully. I don't want any masks on. But also in the Instagram world, it would capture people's eyeballs in that respect. And mm. yeah, I I I, um, I do totally hear you. Um, but I, I guess you know, we have such visual beings and if we, if we weren't, then it would all be about medium, um, the, you know, oh, yeah. the blogging platform. <laughs> such a good but, platform, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. But we're all on Instagram and we all have to yeah. see the pictures and be captivated by that. And it's, yeah, yeah it's... I mean, it's, it's certainly not a criticism, Ben, because in a way it's smart because it's like, well, this is the game, so I'm going to play it in a way that, that does get more eyeballs on the message, but then you're very true to the message and when people can understand what game is being played and then they can go beyond the fact that it's just a platform on which it's an opportunity to get more people engaging with these important conversations, I think it's smart. Thank you. I guess it's like a branding exercise, right? Um, mm. and, it, and it's done really well. You know, I, I can't, it's, it's this conflict, isn't it? Because it's helped me in so many ways and it's been a big part of my story. But ultimately, you know, I want people to read my messages, not look at my pictures. Yeah. Do you want more, like in an, I mean, it's a tricky question. I was going to say, do you want more men engaging with your message or is it just as important to get women engaging with your message? Um, it's weird because, you know, women are more open to this and, and, you know, I increasingly see in terms of engagement, it's more women at the moment. Mm. And, I'll, mm. and, I, and I'm looking at that from a brand perspective and, and I get that, you know, traditionally in, in, in uh, straight men don't want to see um, other straight men without any clothes on. It's kind of a bit of a no. But yeah, I, 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 I've been through the, the, the masculine journey and I want to help other men specifically because I get it. Mm. I get that. Um, but women engaging and showing it with their husbands or their brothers or their dads or whatever, or yeah, their children. Yeah. You know, I, I love it when I get messages from mums saying thank you. You know, I've yeah. got two boys and they need... I didn't have any male role models growing up myself. So who showed me that I could be loving and strong or kind and tough. You know, it was like, you're just yeah. tough and you're just strong. Actually, so, having said that, what, you know, how have your older brothers related to, um, to the work that you're doing? They don't relate to it. They don't wow. relate to it. No, it's hard in that respect. You know, I don't think they've listened to any of my podcasts ever. Um, I don't think they really engage with what I do at all and that's fine you know it's their choice but that they they mm. and, and I, I can't blame them because in my 20s I didn't want to know either mm. and, and and it's only that through the you know I had physical challenges around sex that led me to do the work and they haven't had those physical challenges around sex so what was it you know 
Um, I struggled to orgasm from the first time I was I was at the age of eighteen. That was my experience, and throughout my sort of sexual life in my twenties, that was my experience. Um, it was mm. always a, a challenge. And at thirty, I decided that this wasn't something I wanted in my life anymore. Was it um, something that you kept secret? No, I was pretty. I was pretty well. Like I mean, you, there's no hiding it in the in the experience. Um, right. I guess maybe you could fake it in theory um, if you're clever and whatever. I don't know, um, but. And I, I, I didn't hold any shame around it, really. Mm. And actually, you know, that probably tells a story because, you know, the guy, a lot of guys right. were like, you know, it was, it was kind of part of the performance. And um, wow, because I was actually going to ask, like, did okay, fine, the women that you may have been with, or men who knows at the time would have maybe been in that experience with you, but then if it was something that you actually spoke about with the men in your life as well, I'm very surprised to hear this side of it. Most of the guys were, were like, you know, they, some of them called it a gift, you know, because they were like, I've got the opposite problem, you know. <laughs> it was, yeah, and it was, um, it's performance, isn't it? You know, and the masculine, this masculine, you know, if you could be applauded for your sexual performance, that was pretty, that was pretty alpha experience, you know. So uh, I didn't hide it at all. I was quite open with it, but it, it didn't serve. Did you, you know, believe when, that, that it was quite alpha? Um... Probably at times, yeah, in that, you know, if you if you were able to, you know, you put a good stint in, in the bedroom with a girl and that, you know, that's quite a, a, a heroic mm. male kind of stigma. I'm not saying, you know, that was the case, but it definitely, you know, it was, it was you were more of a laughing stock if you, you know, you, you know, the guys just had put a terrible performance, you know, it was 30 seconds and I was done and it was so embarrassing, you know, that's so... Yeah. I'm also just thinking about it from a woman's perspective, you know, how the women on the receiving end of that may have felt as well. Totally. And then what, you know, God knows what would have been going through their heads afterwards. Would you speak to well, them about it as well? Or Yeah. Yeah. I, I always spoke. And if, I, if it was kind of looking that, that we were going to enter into an intimate experience, then I usually said, virtually always said, but by the way, I just, just, you know, this is my experience because I didn't want them to take anything personally. Mm. And sometimes they did. I experienced that. So, um yeah it's a weird one isn't it and it could also go either way because you know when do you say it when's the right time sometimes they'll be like whoa 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 you know nothing's gonna happen and then you know anyway and you're like okay well you know and then another time you know you're sort of saying i don't want to presume anything's gonna happen that's happening and then it's like do i say something now and then you're interrupting the flow and you know it's 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 never it's never necessarily straightforward or the right time the wrong time it's hard so but um that guy, mention it on podcast. <laughs> exactly just say hey, anyone who's listening knows what's going on i'd have to explain anything that's <laughs> much easier i've been on national tv talking about it as well i was on this morning and the, the, the headline on this morning um was the man who can't orgasm um as i came on which i did not know i thought i was talking about my blog um, right. so it was, that was a shock and it was not a true headline either so the whole thing i was just right. like whoa so um so yeah I'm I'm fairly open about it but going back to my my brothers yeah. you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have gone on the journey I can't say that because there's every chance something else would have come up and shown me the way mm, mm, but mm. um I can't judge them for not engaging with this when I didn't engage with it myself for so long but mm. what I can do is live in hope and and always be there if they ever showed any interest to say hey mm. I I I'd, um, I'd love to there's anything I can do or any conversation you'd like to have I'm, I'm all in and I'll mm. help you any way I can because um, mm. 
I do know that having lived both ways of being shut off emotionally and very closed and now obviously being more open and connected to my emotions and, and being willing to, to, to go deeper with people, I know which is a, a, a which feels better, put it that way. Yeah. Um, so um, I want that, it's possible for everyone and I want that. Really beautiful, Ben. On this Thank journey, you. on this journey, do you feel like you have an idea of where it could go um, and where it could lead? Because you're very much in the journey and on the journey and sharing that with people um, and, you know, basically bringing people with you along for it as well with a, with a clear message of like, hey, I'm learning too, but let's work on this together because I'm a little bit further along the way and I'd love to share that with you. Do you have an idea of, of where it's going? It is uncharted waters. Um, I just want to show up and I just want to keep sharing what I'm doing and, you know, finding ways to resonate with people. And I hope that I can resonate. And naturally, I guess, you know, the message will be seen by more and I'm writing a book and I'm, I'm creating an online platform called heart space. That's allowing people to, to feel safe and connect with other open hearted people. Cause a lot of this Mm -hmm. I think is about feeling safe. If you don't feel safe, you you, you close off. And so I'm, I, I want this for more people. I know that the benefits of connection and the beauty of it. And I just want, I genuinely believe the world is a better place if we if we come from our hearts rather than our, our egos or our heads. Mm. And um, for whatever reason, us men have become pretty good at listening to our heads rather than our hearts. Yeah. And, um, I want to change that. I want, well, I want more love in the world. I think that's what we'd all love, actually. I, I totally agree. At our hearts, we do have more love, but there's a lot of men who don't. Love cringes them. Love is a avoid love subconsciously yes I hear that and and I think that the the thing that I'm not struggling with but the the thing that I'm just trying to put in into place in my mind is like I said that there's a lot of alpha males around me as well high achievers um sportsmen rugby players top of their game and their jobs like no one's not smashing it as far as I'm concerned I'm I'm very blessed to be surrounded by those sorts of people And even though that's the message, and even though some of them might even listen to this and be like, you know, still coming to terms that actually, yes, I do want to do more of this work on myself, even if I might not admit it to anyone around me, I know that if I gave them a huge hug, which is an expression of love, not any type of love in particular, it could be sibling, could be romantic, could just be unconditional, could be parental, whatever it is, that everyone would respond to that. But you're, you all saying, the way. but you're then also saying that, no, they, they cringe away from love. All of these types of men that I've just described, even if they might stand there and be like, yeah, yeah, whatever, above me, get off, they'll still soften and be like, okay, I'm actually really enjoying this <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that commentary specifically with my brother, who's like a big six foot three rugby boy. You know, like he might play mm. that role of being like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I know he loves yeah. it. Um, Absolutely. I feel like 100%. All men would. So then how does that tally up with you saying that no men uh, shy away from, well, from love? If, if all men would, why aren't they showing it? Why aren't we seeing it everywhere? You're, you're providing a safe space for them where they, they, they are just showing you what is really inside of them. But then they go out into the world and they don't have that safe space. Mm. and they've become very accustomed to that and our ego loves comfort and it loves the familiarity of what they know mm. and if they're living in their heads and they hear that energy 
then they would choose familiarity and comfort over discomfort, which is, okay, I'm going to have to start coming from love and loving people and sharing more love. And that doesn't feel yeah. like me. But yeah. in the comfort of the space that you provide, they can soften. And all, that, all I'm in that, all I'm seeing from that is that, yes, you're, you're telling me, as we already know, that men do have that capability like every human being does. And I've seen it time yeah. and time again. I've been in prisons talking to prisoners who have guards strongly up and, you know, and through the talk, I've then seen their hearts, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's there. It's all there. But in the society that we live in, the way it is, and given that I said men live in their heads, they choose that energy where the head is saying, this is uncomfortable, don't embrace this. Mm. And they'd shy away from it. I'd rather not have to tell someone I love them and be kind to them. That's what they know. So it's heart space, this, this platform that you're creating, which I'm really excited about because that's launching soon. Is that mainly a platform for men to feel like there's that safe space in which to explore that side of themselves? It, it is. It's for both men and women. You know, and mm. I'm realistic to know that women are more connected um, to this naturally it's easier for them to sort of soften and say that's something I'm interested in you know men are still mm. again like like you said before I think if men were part of it they would go this is nice I have to admit it it's nice to be but initially their initial reaction would be like yeah not for me you know mm. and that's going back to what you just said before and and um but it's for everyone and it's just it's a safe space for people to be seen heard and valued um which is connection right mm -hmm. and um we do that by getting out of our heads you, you would have heard of, of headspace which is obviously mm -hmm. you know a great platform for, for getting us out of our thoughts heart space is about dropping into our hearts and connecting with our emotions mm -hmm. feeling safe enough to be able to do that knowing that all of our emotions are welcome learning how we can connect with our emotions um checking in on our emotions um connecting with other people who are in a similar space that you feel safe to talk about stuff that you wouldn't necessarily talk about um to go on a journey of self-development and, and discovery of your of your heart really because that my all my coaching and all my messages is fundamentally if you strip it all back it's about getting out of your head and into your heart really um mm. so yeah taking people on that journey it's the journey i went on and mm. I, it, I as i said before i just it feels good you know it might look not to a lot of other people particularly other men what i'm doing might look weird or strange or you know it's not ticking all the boxes society but for me it feels good and that's what i'm about it's like i, I want people to live a life that feels good you know for coming at mental health yeah. i want you to feel good and, yeah. and that's often not necessarily what looks good to everyone else yeah yeah actually that brings us on to the workshop that you're going to be doing with us um, oh, yes later this month um maybe you can share a little bit about that because i'm sure especially after hearing this we're gonna have tons of people that are gonna want to come and experience that you know um from a different perspective because i think there's a lot out there on on happiness and feeling good and all of that but this is coming at it from a slightly different different angle yeah um it's very much in tune with a lot of what we said but yeah this word happiness has been a bit of a sort of a bug for me for a while because you know, I, um, I could be happy one minute, you know, and I'm happy in the space with you right now, but I could get a phone call at the end of this conversation that could make me sad. Um, and and uh, I've realized that happiness is a very temporary emotion. You know, it can come and go and a lot of it extra, through external features, you know, that are outside of my control. 
And yet we live in a society that, and this is partly down to your definition of happiness, of course. And I was going to say, it, because I think to some extent we're really limited in the English language because many other cultures have lots of different words for happiness that mm. don't translate. And I think um, in the Western world, and when we're trying to use limited language and just use the term happiness, I think it has resulted in a lot of confusion these days. I'm like, wait, yeah. wait, wait this is what we mean <laughs> yes yeah exactly for me for me happiness is a is a is a temporary emotion but for other people it, it could be a deeper thing but mm. i term that that deeper experience as, as more as a sense of fulfillment where mm. okay. it's not that i'm necessarily happy right now or sad or anything else but i am fulfilled i feel on track i feel on purpose i like mm. the way i'm showing up when i look at myself in the mirror i feel content with who i am like and I, and how I'm showing up as well. I've got integrity. I've got love for myself love that. fundamentally. Yeah. That fulfillment is is what I, I I attribute to that. So I'm looking at it rather than chasing happiness, and 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 which often leads to us to needing to consume things quickly. What can I do to make me happy? Because if I say I'm sad, then mm. people are going to judge me, and we live this life in a constant chase. Well, what if we change that perspective, and if if we looked at becoming fulfilled and working on how we can be fulfilled with ourselves? When we're fulfilled, for me, we're happy for no reason. We don't need mm. something to be happy. We just have got mm. a natural happiness within us. Um, and obviously, it doesn't mean we still have challenges that make us sad, but our natural state is a sense of fulfillment, and in that, we feel happy. Um, yeah. And that's a healthier that. state to live. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. So I that's what it's that. going to be all about. <laughs> Sorry, I kept, I knew we kept cutting each other off at the end. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I think that's going to be an exciting workshop, especially for people to to come to and to to understand the different way in which you're in which you're approaching it, and that understanding of what happiness is. Because I do think that some of it has been lost along the way. So I love yes. that you are going to be um, redefining it for many, many people. Um, and how they can how they can change their life in that workshop that you're doing with us. I love talking about it. it's one of my favourite things, so I can't wait as well. Yeah, yeah, I can see. Like, if anyone can see your face, your face is just lit up in a different way. I mean, you've had it's been lit up the whole conversation anyway. But Ben, we ask all of our presenters to share um, either a, a meditation or a mantra or something that is a key takeaway that they can get from Ben Bidwell, the Naked Professor. What is it that you would share with our listeners? Um, what's been a real key thing for you that they could also use? Well, my favourite one I'm going to do on the workshop, so I won't, I won't do that now because that would okay. be a, a beautiful experience of going inwards. But yeah. um, for now, I, like at the crux of everything that I, 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 I've spoken about, really, um, is two mantras, if you don't mind. Um, uh, of course one is is don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now so knowing your values mm. knowing what you really want most and we live in a world that says get everything now just make yourself happy now and often it's not that's not what you want most that's not who you really are um so don't sacrifice what you want most for, for, for what you want now know who you really are and go after that stuff um even if it's doesn't make you happy in that moment because some growth is hard doing like integrity means that you've got to do things that challenge you at times you know but you feel great after when i gave that talk in the yeah. prison i did not want to do it but the feeling i had after <laughs> i felt very much in tune and aligned with my purpose mm. so that's like at the core of everything i do the second which i um, i really um, apply particularly to men is that um, your wound is not your fault but your healing is your responsibility um mm. and i really mean that and that applies to both men and women but 
I know, you know, going back to what we said before, you know, men don't like to think we have wounds. And uh, I'm saying your wound isn't your fault. There's no shame in it. You know, you really don't need to bury that thing. It's, we're not, I'm not judging you. I'm not saying that this is something you've created or chosen or, want, or wanted. But your healing from that is your responsibility. No one can do the work for you. It is your job to you to look into why you are behaving how you're behaving, mm. why you're hurting yourself, why you're not feeling as fulfilled as you could, and to do the work to, to get yourself back on track and living a life that inspires you. So they are my two kind of key mantras. Wow, powerful stuff. I love that. Really, really wow. love them. They're really powerful. Thank wow. you. Well, that brings us to the end of our, of our podcast today, which is a real shame. I hope you can get you on another time and go really deep and stuff. I hope you've enjoyed your chat with me. I um, love that chat. Sharing, <laughs> sharing it with our audience. We cannot wait to host you and your workshop with us and you know, looking forward to all that is to come from you and from HeartSpace and to seeing how you impact the world then. Thank you so much. I, lo- I love these conversations. I'm grateful for you for providing space for me to sit here with you and to, to share my workshop. So mm. just thank you. Thank you. Thank it's beautiful. You. For more information about the Wellbeing Festival, visit mindbodyspirit.co.uk. Today's episode was sponsored by Larabar. I've been your host, Pavani Vias, and this episode was produced by Josh Roberts and our sound engineer, Aaron Milliken. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back very soon.